Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, David. Hi, I'm David, Compulsive Reader. Hi, David. And, uh, David, thank you for asking me. I haven't been at this meeting in a long time. And it's really, this is a special place. There's so, always so much energy in this room. And um, I grew up in this area in West Los Angeles. Um, when I first started going to OA, it was meetings around here. And I remember there was a big, maybe it's still here, a very big, large Thursday AA meeting. And I started in 1976, and OA was fairly young, and there wasn't that much strength, and people suggested to go to AA. And it was scary enough for me to go to OA, but to go to an AA meeting, you know, and I remember being such afraid, and it was in this room, and I think about it, and and I don't live in the fear that I used to live in and that I used to have to eat over over that fear. And, and being here reminds me. Um, I'm so used to meetings where you have like 10, 15 minutes to share. So this is sort of, I've got to think, you know, 30 minutes to fill. It's, it's like the old days. Um, Another thing I want to share, when, you know, when I came to OA, meetings were two, almost every meeting was two hours. They had the same format. You had a leader, and they, they usually, so they start at 8 o'clock usually or whatever time. Then you would have pitches. I don't remember if they were before or after, but whoever was leading shared for 10 or 15 minutes. Then you had a break. And you had to socialize, which was very scary. It was like a coffee break, and that was very scary for me. And then you would have a speaker for the for the rest of the meeting, which was like 45 minutes. And that was just – and then people would go to coffee afterwards. You know, the world in the 70s were different, and people – you know, and meetings in the years have gotten shorter and shorter, and um, but it's, for me, still so important that I keep my feet planted here. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about the numbers. I just, in fact, this morning took a 40-year candle. I, uh, I I officially celebrate my birthday tomorrow, but I took, my sponsor was able to give it to me at my home meeting this morning. Um, I I came in in, nine, in June 1976. I was, for anybody to do the math, I was 15 years old. I am now 55 years old. So I'd like to say I came in as a teenager, and now I'm almost a senior citizen. And it's very interesting, all the different stages of life to have been in this program. And maybe I'll be able to share a little bit in how I've worked this program and been able to abstain for the majority of that time through all the different things. But when I came to OA, I was just starting to go through puberty. I probably had about... 50 to 60 pounds to lose, but that wasn't my most. I probably was 80 or so pounds overweight at my heaviest. Um, I was aiming to be, a, I mean, I was all up there to be a 100 pounder, you know. I just, I got a hold of OA, I guess, before I got there. But that's where I was aiming. I lost in OA about 30 pounds or so and then sort of 
outgrew a little bit of the weight. I've been maintaining, um, I can't even say that, because I got really, really thin when I got out of college, um, uh, about 10, 15 pounds thinner than I am now. But I've been about the same weight within a range of about 10 or 15 pounds for about 30, 35 years. I'm sort of a little bit on the lower end of what my adult, I should say my adult weight, I'm about 10 pounds on the lower end of what, as an adult, what I've weighed uh, all these years. Um, and it's a miracle. I mean, it is a, a miracle. I just, you know, I know how it happens, but I don't know how it happens. Um, I, uh, I started abstaining, and, and I'll go back to tell you what it was like, but I started abstaining in October of 1976, and I count my abstinence. I wasn't going to, it wasn't a food plan, it wasn't a diet, it wasn't, I'm going to start away. It was, I had just started high school right at Uni High, right down the street from here, and they had a student store with the best cookies in the world, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop going by the student store, buying those cookies. And all I wanted to do was to to somebody to make me stop eating those cookies, you know, just because I thought one day I really had this belief. My mom was in OA, and I knew about you, compulsive readers, but I wasn't good. I wasn't going to be like you guys. I, I knew I had a problem with food, and and I knew that if I ever lost weight, I wouldn't have the problems you guys had. I was sure that if I lost weight, that thing in my brain would click off and I would everything would be wonderful. I'd have a girlfriend, I would like myself, I would I wouldn't want to eat anymore. But just until then, I just wanted to stop eating those cookies so I wouldn't keep gaining weight until one day I'd be struck willing to lose weight. And um and so I had asked for help at I was going to an O eighteen meeting uh at the time in Beverly Hills and I asked the group, I asked the group, what, what should I do to stop eating cookies there? And, and they suggested I call my food in every day. Uh, if I call in what I was going to eat, I would commit, then I would not eat those cookies. And I thought that was a good idea, so I didn't argue because I wasn't going to do it. But it, it was a really good idea. And I was, so when we left the meeting, um, there was a, a person, his, his our, both our moms were friends and, in fact, had come into OA together. And he was going to that meeting. And he said, do you want to call me tomorrow and tell me what you're going to eat? And I thought, you know, maybe this gets him some brownie points if I call him. Uh, I'll just do it. And I date my absence from that point. It wasn't a diet. I didn't stop eating any particular food. I, w I was working in the school cafeteria at the time because as a compulsive reader, that's the way to get more food and, you know, um, and, and it was, you know, and what I would call in would be like, okay, whatever they're serving today, I'll just have one portion or whatever my parents serve, I won't go back and get more food. I mean, that was the kind of stuff. It wasn't like this big big deal, you know, and I ate dessert, and I ate bread, and all that stuff, and, and for me, whenever I, I had been on a lot of diets, I was only 15, but I had been on five years of every Monday was a new diet, so that's a lot of diets, and 
in, in that short period of time. And I had given, I had really realized that all the diets were about the same. It was like either I was going to be willing to eat healthy food or screw it, I'm going to eat everything I want, you know. So, um, and, and, and I know what the point I wanted to make about that too is, I used to pick these diets. The Stillman diet was one of my favorites, you know, because I would get all excited about all the meat I could eat. And my mom would say, I'll cook this for you. And I would get all excited. And and then it would be like, well, there's no bread. You can't have anything. And you can't have fruit or whatever it was on it. You couldn't have any of that. And it's like I would start gritting, you know, gritting my teeth trying to, like, make it one day. Okay, I made it today, maybe tomorrow. I remember having to go to bed once at, like, 7 o'clock at night because I had to eat, and the only way not to eat was to go to bed. And, and, and then waking up and saying to my mom, can you get me blah, 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 I just need something, you know? And as soon as I ate the something, well, you, you screwed up. You, you weren't supposed to have any whatever then I could eat everything I want. That would be the excuse to, like, turn the, fa- the faucet on. And, and so when I started calling in the food, in a way, I, it wasn't a diet. I didn't think I was doing it. You know, it really was, and I'm not going to lose, I was sure, I, I'm not going to lose weight doing this. This isn't, I didn't think that was a way. Uh, and I lie, you know, we all do. As I still today can lie to myself. You know, all the food back and forth. You know, when I would eat dinner at home, I never did anything uh, to help clean up, never helped do chores, except clean off the table. That was the one thing I was really good at. And that was my, you know, even in both, everybody was, at least my mom and my dad a little bit had a food problem. I could... While I was eating dinner, I was, I was eating maybe fairly normal in front of them, but all I was thinking about was how much food is left over and how much can I get if I help clear off the table, how much can I take with it they won't see, and then what can I take back to my room to have later while I'm watching TV. And so that was, and, and that never counted because if nobody saw it, it doesn't count, is how, as my compulsive overeating head would tell me. And so I never realized how much I was really eating. And I didn't eat. Like when I would go, when I had heard OA, when I had gone to a few OA, to a few OA meetings and heard people talking about eating whole half gallons of ice cream and whole cakes, I never did that. You guys, let yourself go like that. No. But I, I ate I just had to eat all the time. So I didn't eat the whole half gallons. I had to just take a little of ice cream and a little of this, and, a, and I could chip away uh, at things. You know, and it took a while, but I'd finish. I remember um, I was bar mitzvah, and a lot of the cake, they had a huge cake, and they put about half of it in the freezer. And I didn't eat it all at one sitting like some of you, but I... <laughs> I finished within weeks or uh, whatever, I went through that much. So th- I was eating large quantities of food, but I could fool myself because I wouldn't just sit down and have a whole thing. And, like, how am I gaining weight? You know, I'm born, I'm just born with big bones. You know, I'm just fat because, you know, I'm just, this is the way I am. Um, and so anyway... What happened is, as soon as I started just eating, calling in what I was going to eat, telling somebody, not going back for all this extra food, all of a sudden I did start losing weight. 
you know, lo and behold, when I started a little bit of honesty, not a lot, but a little bit of honesty about how much I was eating, all of a sudden, the weight, and it was slow. And for me, you know, as I said, when I was young, there were times I was 80 pounds overweight, 40 pounds, different things. I, I would look at my stomach. I could look at my stomach today and sometimes feel just as heavy as I did when I was a kid. So I, I really am a body image is one of those things. You know, especially growing up fat like I did, uh, was I, I just had a horrible body image. So I never could, um, I, I just never could tell, you know, when I was, and so for me, it was really important. It was, it, it was a higher power. It wasn't my brain that had the, um, thank God I lost weight slow because I could slow, it could slowly seep in. If I ever lost weight rapidly, I, I couldn't have kept, I couldn't have kept coming back and I wouldn't, I would have freaked out and, and ran away. Uh, and too different from some people's experience in a way, you know, and maybe because I'm a guy, it was, I didn't have this, oh, I have to be really thin. I just didn't want to be so fat. I just didn't want to be one of the fattest kids in school. I just didn't want to be called names. I just wanted to be able to go to the beach and take off my shirt and not have people make fun of me. You know, I wanted to be able to go to the public swimming pool and not be so embarrassed having to wear a swimsuit. And that's all I wanted. You know, I wanted to be able to play sports. And because I was so fat that automatically nobody wanted me on their team, you know, um, and again, I thought it was all the weight. Now, and, and it's funny, I, t- I took my kids and my niece and nephew by where I played baseball and a little league. It's right near here um, by Santa Monica Airport. And I remember telling them, like, I would play outfield, and all I was doing was thinking about the snack bar and how much food I could get. So no wonder, it wasn't just the, I mean, it was the weight, but it wasn't just the weight, you know? And I thought I was... Um, yeah, and, 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 and it's partly how I thought of myself growing up. I just thought I was so worthless. And, and, you know, and it just became all part of that. And so I just didn't want it. And, and, but I thought it, would, it could all change if it, was, if it wasn't the weight. Um, I, I didn't realize all the other stuff inside that I just, uh, the self-hatred that either, I don't know what came first. The, the compulsive overeating and the weight and, and if that made me hate myself or I hated myself and that's why, I don't know what, but it just was all in there. Uh, hating myself, the more I hated myself, the more I had to eat to cover up those feelings and then the more I hated myself. And, and that's how I grew up and, and just a tremendous amount of fear. Just, I always was afraid of dying as a kid. I stopped believing uh I grew up with a grandfather in my house. My grandmother died when I was a baby, and my grandfather came to live with us, and he died when I was eight years old. One of my um, dad's cousins, they had both survived the Holocaust and in and, and two wars in Israel, and came to this country together, and we were very close, and she died in childbirth about a year or six months after my grandmother died. And then my dad had one aunt that had sent him to this country, him and his cousin, and she died of a stroke about the same time. And, and I just felt there can't be a God if all this bad stuff, 
You know, I was like eight, nine years old when all this started happening. There can't be a God. All this horrible, to me, my world fell apart. Though they were the, my parents were very dysfunctional. My dad, you know, from the time he was nine or ten, didn't really have a family. He'd been taken away in, in a ghetto and concentration camps and just all that stuff. He didn't know how to be, he didn't know how to function in a family. And my mother had her issues, grew up in, in the Depression and, and 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 her parents came from Russia where there were food shortages and horrible things. And they were just, you know, and and they got married. And I don't blame them because we all, some people came from very wonderful homes and still wound up here. So I don't blame them, but it's just what made me who I was and, and what made, and I chose to use food to get through it, but it was very dysfunctional. They didn't know, they didn't have a plan to raise a family or they didn't have a program, a way to live life. They they weren't, they made me go to synagogue and Jewish holidays, but it was only about food. Was In the house, it was only about food. There was no talk about God or, and they both, said they believed in God, but I didn't feel any kind of spirituality. And, and there was love, so that was the good thing, because I've, I've had, you know, there, there was a lot of love, but that was about it. And so I became a very fearful person of the world. Because of all that stuff that happened to them, I took it all on. And I stopped believing in God. And... And I had to, I thought I had to fix the world. I had to keep my parents, especially after my grandfather died, because he kept my parents, he kept the house sort of, he took care of me and my brother, and um, he kept them in check. And I felt like now I have to keep them. Once he died, I had to keep them in check. And that was just a lot of responsibility um, for an eight, nine-year-old and and. and and I just developed all this fear of the world. And I, I was really, it was so much better for me to just stay under the covers. I just would prefer to watch TV, eat, and, and stay under the covers, to go to school. I hated to go to school. Um, and I thought so, poor, and, and again, back to, I just felt so poorly. One hand, I'm, I, I'm the God running the world and have to control everything. And on the other hand, I'm the piece of ship, you know, that can't survive, that'll probably, you know, be, amount to nothing, um, you know, it's both, both sides of, uh, of the pendulum I, I could be in, but, um, anyway, so that's, that's a little bit about what it was like, you know, and in a 19, uh, another thing I want to share, uh, just about what it was like, um, I went, the only time I ever traveled, I'd never, I don't even think I'd ever been in a hotel my entire life, never been on vacation. My parents, my dad had a business. And in 1971, his oldest nephew got married in Israel, and I got to go with my dad to Israel and to Europe um, on this trip. And I'd never, like I said, never been on vacation, never been to a hotel, and all of a sudden we're, we're in Europe. We, we met my mom's brother there, and then Israel, and and I, instead of enjoying life and like this is an incredible experience and it was it changed my it did change my life all I was afraid that we're going to be hijacked we're going to be killed um, when we were in Israel it was June and it was a little bit hot and my thighs would rub together and the sweat and I, and I remember we had to walk Mitsada we took a, a tram up to almost the top and you have to walk like a few steps and I could hardly make the few steps 
And um, I was just miserable. I was the weight and and how I felt about myself was just so miserable. Um, anyway, so in 1970, that was 1971. Uh, 1973, my mom came to OA through some things and forced me to a few meetings with her. And I said, no way. In 1976, she was on a comeback and told me in, about this team meeting. And that's when I started going to OA. I, I, I shared how I started my absence. Um, and the other thing, and, and, and I congratulate the birthday people who took their candles, and, and I know Roy, and I know Holly, and I know that they both give a lot of service, and they've got a lot of years. And I really think that's one of the, again, higher power things that why I'm still here, because I've given a lot of service. And it wasn't because I thought service is a good idea. Good idea. I just sort of got thrown into service. They started a second O18 meeting and asked me to help get it started. And so I got involved, and somebody said, go to the inner group. And so the inner group said, oh, we could use you on the board. You could be a team. You could have a team committee, be on the board. And all of a sudden, I'm on the board. And all of a sudden, for somebody who was not going to be in OA like my mom and not be involved, here I'm on the board at the LA inner group, and I'm going to two team meetings and then some regular meetings to announce my team meetings. And all of a sudden... You know, all of a sudden, I'm in the heart of OA, in the thick of the, the herd. And I'm never going to believe in God. and I'm not going to work your, your steps, you know, and be interested. Uh, look at myself. Yuck. Um, and all of a sudden, a year later, my life had changed. I had never had friends. And all of a sudden, in OA, I had friends. Uh, I remember a bunch of teens were going to an AA dance. And I was so afraid, you know, and... And I went, and it's like all those things, it wasn't that anybody told me there's a God. It wasn't that I heard a rabbi speak and say that there's a God. It wasn't anything in meetings. It was that my life had changed. There was a, there was a power greater than myself that within a year of starting to go to away that had changed. And I had a thunderbolt experience where I was driving to a meeting one Sunday night, and people were talking about how much all everybody in the car was talking about how much they had changed. And it just hit me. There is there is a power. I didn't know what that power. I don't know what that power is. Sometimes it's I go to synagogue and it's like I feel this, you know, power. And then other times there is nothing. I'm, I'm an agnostic and I just believe that uh, that my higher power is the flow of the world. And if I turn it over to the flow of the world, you know, that's how I work my program. So I I, I don't know to this day, 40 years later. But all of a sudden, I really turned, whatever it is, I realized that that power, and by turning it over, my life had changed. And that was my spiritual thunderbolt, to just realize that, because I had tried to control my food, my weight, and it never could do it. And then something happened by coming here, doing whatever I was doing, getting, you know, and I, I couldn't have figured it out. Um, my absence, to just sort of wrap it up in the next five minutes or so, uh, you know, my absence is still very loose. I mean, it's abstaining. Is Absence is the most important thing no matter what. However, how I abstain, if, if, you know, I'm somewhere and they're giving out food samples and I taste something, that's not for me. It works for me. I can do that. It's not about eating exact. I, I, I count 
calories. I know ex- approximately how much food I can have that I can maintain my weight. And I, my sponsor only has me weigh once a month and almost every month. And that's a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle. I'm about the same weight. I'm, I'm just within the last two years, as I mentioned, I'm down sort of about 10 pounds lower than my regular average. And that's just because I exercise a little bit more. Um, and as, I, as I've been getting older, I have to keep eating less, which is really, really hard. And so as a compulsive overeater and a member of this program, you know, it, it works what I do. And so I started years ago just doing a little exercise, and now, you know, all these years later, and, and I did it just like anything I learned in OA, just a little bit. If I just show up, if I just show up to a meeting, I'm doing something. If I, you know, somebody asked me to do service and I just do my best, that's good enough. And that's what I did with exercise. If I can just take a 10-minute walk, that's better than what I used to do. If I can just do something aerobic for 20 minutes, well, all these years later, and incorporating that as part of my program, not the OA program, but part of what I have to do. You know, I go to the gym three, four times a week. The last couple of years, I've been going to cycling class a couple times a week. I walk, in addition to whatever exercise I do, 10 to 50 minutes a day. You know, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's much more. I go on the weekends, little hikes with my kids, um, you know, an hour hikes or whatever, from this person who couldn't breathe when I would walk, you know, up a little bit. And now I love, you know, an hour hike is just the perfect moderate amount of exercise. And I love it. And it's spiritual. It's part of my meditation sometimes. Um, It's one day at a time. I'm not religious, but I say I'm not religious, but we go to synagogue a lot of Friday nights. uh, Since my kids were little, we do Friday night uh, dinners. And it's if I wasn't in here, I, I don't think I'd find the spirituality there. But the program has given me where I'm able to put the two together, and it really helps. And, and my life, you know, I say if you look on Facebook, like my life looks like it's not perfect. My life is not perfect. You know, uh, there's always more work. We're just it's just one day at a time, and, and even abstaining 40 years sometimes, you know. I don't want to stop a meal, you know, or or I start getting really excited about where I'm going to go to dinner or whatever. I'm still a compulsive overeater, but with the steps, with a higher power, with learning to love, with you guys loving me where, until I started loving myself, I don't, there isn't, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. And I just don't, so there is still, I'm still a compulsive reader and I still don't know when to stop, but I do because there isn't the desire to hurt myself. The, the, it's the, the love of myself or the higher power and whatever, everything, it's, it, it does it. And, and I've really found this last year, it's not a food plan or counting calories or whatever I do, and it's not just asking God for help, and it's not just cleaning, working the steps and getting my emotional stuff together. It's all three. It takes all three. Uh, I've really seen it. You know, I've sponsored people, and they'll eat this way, that way, but they're not doing the other stuff, and it doesn't work. And if they're just, it's like, I've really seen it clearly, uh, or more, and I'm still learning. 40 years, it's just, it's never, it never stops. Um... I've been able to, you know, for somebody who is so fear-based, uh, I've been 
at a point, my, my daughter moved away to go to college a year ago, and to be able to let go, you know, for almost 20 years, I've either been getting ready to be a father or been a father of where I've had to physically take care of kids at home, to all of a sudden having one of them not at home, and, and that's, I mean, think of all the stuff where my head could go, and, and been able to just let go. And the more I let go, and the more I hear at meetings of what people, how they've lived their life, and all of a sudden, my, all the things I wanted my daughter to do, like find a job, all of a sudden, when I just stopped bugging her so much, all of a sudden she's telling me about all these jobs she's looking for. I wanted her to get involved in the Jewish community where she lives in Santa Cruz, and I tried to push it last year. It didn't work. All of a sudden, when I stopped, she went to services, not as much as I'd like, but she went to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, one service each. Um, when I don't, why aren't you calling me more? When I stopped, all of a sudden she started calling every time. She, almost every night, because she was going to the gym at night and calling me, you know, on the way home near her mom. And, and I was like, what a blessing if I didn't have this program. What, I wouldn't have this kind of relationship with my kids and, and, and life that I have. But it takes all the stuff every day. It takes one day at a time all the stuff that I have to do. Um, it doesn't come natural as a compulsive overeater. Uh, the other thing with fear, you know, I went, we, my wife's nephew uh, got married, a couple of them, and we went to one of the weddings in Israel in May, and then we went to Istanbul on the way for a stopover on the way back for a few days. And we went somewhere, there was a shooting, there was a place called Sharona Market, and we were there a week before they had a shooting, and then in Istanbul there was all this political stuff within a few weeks after we left. And you know what? There was a little, about 5% fear, and the other part of me just knew that I was being taken care of. If it was really bad, if we heard warnings, we wouldn't have gone wherever we were supposed to go. But I just knew that we were, and it was just such a sense of we're taken care of. You know, in Istanbul, there's 14 million people. You know, anything can happen. And, and, And I thought, what a miracle of this program. You know, no wonder I don't have the desire to compulsively overeat like I used because I'm not living in that fear. And that was really strong. And, and, and to just be able to enjoy life that I never did before growing up. Um, and if I still was in the food, you know. So I'm so grateful for this program for the life because it's just, it's a reprieve. It's still one day at a time. And, and, and I thank you all for listening to me again, David. Thank you for asking me. Uh, to share and just keep coming back because there's so many miracles. Thank you.